Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm just waiting to see what you're going to start off with. <laughs> I know, you were asking me that before the show because there's so much going yeah. on. Um, as expected yesterday, the Manafort uh, WikiLeaks yeah. story is uh, Julian Assange meeting with Manafort at the embassy story is slowly unraveling, uh, the Guardian unwinding it. But as I told you yesterday, there's always a reason for this stuff. So uh, I'm going to get into some of that today, too, and uh, what's really going on right now. Hence the John Brennan, former CIA director under the Obama administration, freak out. Um, also, just a one um, quick note of congratulations to the audience. I love you all so much. Uh, Jesse Kelly is back on Twitter. Oh, uh, Iraq war veteran ran for Congress. Uh, you know, he, he, he's an edgy uh, a, a tweeter, so yeah. let's say, on, on Twitter. But uh, Twitter, I guess, realizing that conservative backlash was going to be severe on this and was severe, has reinstated his account. Now, having said that, they still have not retweeted other conservatives who they've deleted off the platform. So we're going to keep the heat on. And here's my suggestion for you. Yesterday, I suggested that we uh, that we look into Twitter being uh, being re- reclassified as a publisher and not a platform. Listen to yesterday's show, and I'll give you more details on that. Uh, but today, I want to suggest also that you sell any stock you have in Twitter. I sold mine, so I don't speak with forked tongue. You may have it in your portfolio somewhere. You may not even know you have it. Sell it. Sell it. Listen, I'm not a financial advisor, folks, but I would not, uh, I would not buy stock in a company that criticizes conservatives. Do your thing. Again, if, if it's in your financial interest for the future and it's your nest egg, I understand you think it's a good investment. I, I don't want to get, in, but I'm just telling you as a matter of, of, of personal uh, dislike on my part for a company that targets me, I dumped mine. Get rid of that stock. Forget it. I mean, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Why would you be involved with a company that deliberately targets conservatives or is trying to? So that's what I might, there, there you go. I'm going to have to check in with corporate first there, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I know. See with the see if you you have in your portfolio there. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I gotta put my fan on. <laughs> it's getting hot in here already. My wife was uh dying this morning. It was like fifty degrees in Florida. Now that we've got the new northeast cold uh, out of us, she's not used to it anymore. All right, uh folks, today's show brought to you by our friends at Saucy. Hey, everybody at some point wish they could just have a beer, wine, or liquor delivered. Well, someone finally decided to do something about it. Introducing Saucy. Saucy, the alcohol delivery app. Saucy delivers your favorite wine, beer, and liquor right to your door on demand. Now, if you're in Los Angeles, the Bay Area, Chicago, San Diego, or Sacramento, your Saucy order will arrive at your door in under 30 minutes, ready to drink. For the rest of us, Saucy will deliver beer, wine, and liquor to your door in two days or less nationwide. There are no order minimums, no delivery fees, no running to the store. If you've got the Saucy app, you've got a fully stocked bar on your phone. And for a limited time, you can get $15 off when you download the Saucy app and enter promo code DAN. That's the Saucy app spelled S-A-U-C-E-Y and enter promo code DAN, my first name, for $15 off. Get the Saucy app today and use promo code DAN. Listen, whatever you like there, Pinot Noirs, Manhattans, a cold beard, nobody knows what you like better than you. Now you got this app, the Saucy app. Download it, put in promo code DAN for $15 off. Really, really easy to use. Um. Okay, folks. Uh, so here's the deal. Well, here's what's going on. There's been a freak out right now. Um, and, and this is where the Manafort leaks are coming from. We talked about this yesterday. Two stories were leaked yesterday about uh, Paul Manafort, Trump's former campaign manager. The first story was, the, was this uh, Guardian story that he allegedly met with Julian Assange at the Equatorian embassy. Now, I explained in yesterday's show what I think is going on there. I think the real scandal is we're being played by people connected to the Russian government who are somehow meeting with Assange through lobbyists and they're trying to cover that up because these same lobbyists are connected to Democrats. I'll get to that in a second. But there's a freak out going on because I think what's happening here, there was another leak, by the way, that Manafort's lawyers had spoken to Trump's lawyers team, which is perfectly legal. There's nothing illegal about it. Um, the reason this is happening is Manafort is, is just telling them the truth. And the truth is completely uncomfortable for them. The truth does not involve Trump-Russia collusion. Folks, I think we're being played. I want you to pay close attention to this. Now, I put an article up today at the show notes um, from uh, that, that covers my speech that I gave that's gone viral on YouTube. It's one of the first articles up there. It's from the American Spectator by a guy named Frank Hawkins. He covered my speech. 
I'd like you to listen to the speech. It's now up to, I think, 700,000 uh, downloads on YouTube. Um, it's gone nuclear pretty quickly. But I explained to you what happened here, and the, the, the gist of this is why we're in a bit of a freakout and why Manafort has become the subject of this whole thing. I promise I'll tie this up for you, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, there's a figure that surfaces in this Spygate saga over and over and over again who is deeply connected into the Russian government um, and knows people, influential people within the Russian government and was an ally of Putin for a very long time. His name is Oleg Deripaska. Deripaska's name comes up in almost every facet of this entire saga. Deripaska had a business relationship with Paul Manafort for a very long time. As a matter of fact, if you go back to a 2007 article by Glenn Simpson in the uh, um, in the Wall Street Journal, let me read you the title so you can Google it yourself. I'm not going to put it in the show notes because it's subscriber only. But the title of the article is, got score, it's a very long one, How Lobbyists Help Ex-Soviets Woo Washington by Glenn Simpson and his wife, Mary Jacoby. It's from 2007. Mm-hmm. If you read that piece, it's fascinating because it describes uh, in there an effort by the ex-Soviets, by Russians, to influence the United States government. Who makes a cameo appearance in that show? Paul Manafort and Oleg Deripaska. What do I think they're hiding here? Folks, I think the Democrats fully understand at this point that we that, that they are playing right into Russian hands. They're in. The Russian operation to sow discord in the United States is not a partisan one. Folks, the Russians don't care if the Democrats or the Republicans win. The Russians care that the United States loses. I, I want to be crystal clear on this. And the Manafort stuff's going to make sense in a second, but I got to backtrack and it, because I think people are losing what's going on here. The Russians are not our friends. This is obvious. Everybody gets that. The Democrats don't want you to believe that Trump is a Russian ally. He is not a Russian ally. The, the Russians can't stand the American president, whether it was Hillary or Donald Trump. The Russians want see us as a foe, as an only a foe. They don't see us as anything else. They are not an ally of Trump. The Democrats. Now, the, by the way, the Republicans capitulate on that idea. Sensible conservatives, libertarians and Republicans understand they have differences on how we should handle it, but no sensible person out there thinks Russians are Russia's our friend on this international stage. They are not. No. Now, I said sensible, so that doesn't include Capitol Hill Democrats who want you to believe that Russia is a friend to Donald Trump. They are not. They are trying to sow discord. Now, this key player keeps appearing in this case, Deripaska, this Russian connected deeply to Putin. This we know. In a number of different places. And I'm going to ask you the question. Let me uh, give you the, the headline up front. Is the Russian government working through people like Deripaska and others to play both sides? Are we being played by the Russians right now? Let's make some connections here for you. Mm-hmm. So Deripaska, who we know is, is connected to Vladimir Putin, right? Mm-hmm we know is a Russian, we know is influential. Mm-hmm. Deripaska is connected to Julian Assange. How? He's connected to Assange through a lobbyist, a lobbyist by the name of Adam Waldman I covered yesterday, who visited Julian Assange, Julian Assange in this Ecuadorian embassy more than anyone else. That is a lobbyist who has a significant business relationship with Deripaska. I'm not suggesting Deripaska visited Assange. I'm telling you the lobbyist that's working with him and a lawyer who works with Deripaska visited Assange, right? Mm -hmm. Deripaska's also obviously connected to Waldman through Assange. Waldman, this lawyer working with Deripaska, is also communicating with the Democrat Mark Warner on the Senate Intel Committee. Deripaska is also working with the FBI. Because we know the FBI, or or was a t- was I should say to be precise, was approached by the FBI for information about Donald Trump before the election. Deripaska is also at an economic forum, coincidentally at the same time as a guy by the name of Sergey Milian, who is alleged to be source D for the FBI, 
uh, for source D for Christopher Steele, excuse me, in the dossier. Mm-hmm. Source D is the source that gives up the, the, the perverted sexual stuff in the dossier. There are reports that Sergey Milian was the source who gave that information up about the Trump team. Right around the time some of that stuff surfaces, Deripaska's at a conference with Milian. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you if it's possible, just possible, that the Russian government is feeding information to a lobbyist, Waldman, who's feeding it to a Democrat on the Senate, Mark Warner. We know we have their text. Who's feeding information or getting information from the Ecuadorian embassy in Julian Assange. Who's also giving information uh, that they heard or passing information on to uh, a source that gets back to the dossier. Who was also connected, by the way, to the guy who wrote the dossier and Christopher Steele Wild, because the lobbyist working with Deripaska, Adam Waldman, is also working with Christopher Steele. Why do we know that? Because we have the text between Waldman, the lawyer for Deripaska, mm-hmm. and Mark Warner, the Democrat, where Waldman starts talking about setting up a meeting with Christopher Steele. Right. So we have this. Think about what I'm saying, Joe. If it doesn't make sense, yeah. stop me. This is critical yeah. here. You have a connected Russian, deeply connected to people inside the Russian machinery, the Russian apparatus. This guy, Deripaska, who shows up in a 2007 piece, right? 2007, not 2017. Wall Street Journal piece written by who? Glenn Simpson, the guy who hires Christopher Steele at the behest of Hillary Clinton, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hillary Clinton's team hires Glenn Simpson at Fusion GPS to generate negative information on Trump. They go out and hire Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele produces the dossier. The dossier has information in it about these sexually perverted things that comes from a guy, allegedly, that's at a conference the same time this Russian, who Rapasco, who shows up everywhere, is at the conference too. The story written in 2007 by Glenn Simpson mentions who? Rapasco. And his business deals with Manafort and mentions how Deripaska is one of those Russians trying to uh, influence uh, uh, policy in the United States. He's telling us in 2007 exactly what happened. The Glenn Simpson 2007 piece about Russians trying to influence policy in the United States is the whole movie script already written out in advance. Now, the ombudsman here, as you're speaking, as you're walking us along, I can follow it, but um, I hope I don't sound too stupid here. There's so many contacts. What a tangled web, web we weave. When you leave it, when we leave what you're talking about, I, I almost can't recall it. It's, it's a lot. Of I contact. think of it this Does way. Does that make sense? If we had it, see, sometimes we're, we're, Joe and I are working on video, yeah. so don't worry. Think of it this way. Let me visualize right. this for you, folks. If you looked at a pyramid and at the top, you had Oleg Deripaska, right. who is, let's just be absolutely crystal clear is connected to uh, Vladimir Putin. They are friends. This is not in dispute, right? They are are associates of each other. This guy, Deripaska, there's a fork in the road going here, a fork in the road going there, but they all seem to lead back to him. Mm -hmm. So we know this whole case is based on a dossier, right? A dossier that Trump did this, that Trump was working with the Russians, that Trump did these uh, perverted things in a hotel room. Mm Mm-hmm. All of those allegations can somehow be tied connection-wise to people connected to Deripaska. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I'm trying to suggest to you is were the Russians feeding information through multiple channels using the American court system and the FBI to sow massive political discord in the United States, and we're still playing into it this day. Gotcha. It explains the Manafort leaks yesterday. It explains why... Manafort isn't Manafort doesn't know anything about Russian collusion, folks, because it didn't happen. So in order to keep the Manafort story hot and the heat on Donald Trump, these leaks start coming out again. Oh, Manafort leaked. Manafort met with Julian Assange at the embassy. Where did they get that from the Guardian? Did that come from Russian sources? Where did that come from? Well, Manafort's suing now because he's saying the meeting didn't happen. Folks, are we getting played the whole time? All I'm trying to tell you is when you look back, 
do all these streams of negative information that are designed to disrupt the United States government, negative information about everybody. They all seem to have a common thread and someone connected to the Russian government. And we're using it is the point. Right. Instead of questioning where the information came from. If someone was trying to break up the Dan Bongino show, hey, Joe Armacost is, is, uh, you know, is stealing quarters from your quarter jar in the kitchen. Don't you want to know where the information came from? If it was a Russian trying to, a Russian competitor, I'd be very suspicious of that information because I don't have a quarter jar in the kitchen. (laughs) But it's like nobody questioned that. Adam Waldman, lobbyist working for a Russian, is also connected to the British guy providing negative information on the Trump team. The same lobbyist is also appearing at the Ecuadorian embassy with Julian Assange, who says they have Democrat emails. He's also at this economic conference, the same time this source gives up information on a Trump team about these perverted things that happened in a hotel. I want to know, and you should ask this question too, and I'll leave it at this. Mm. Is Deripaska, is he patient zero? That's where I'm going with this whole thing. All right. Is he paragraph one? All right. Is Deripaska working with people in the Russian government to start this whole thing, knowing politically inclined people like John Brennan, Obama, and Hillary Clinton's team would eat it up right away, understanding the whole time patient zero may have been a disinformation campaign but the disinformation campaign benefited them politically, so they ran with it. Now, does it make sense? Deripaska is a common denominator here. Is that the common is denominator? Right? Yeah. Everything. Yeah, he the, he's connected to all of the major players in uh, this, and all the way back in 2007, uh-huh. Glenn Simpson already wrote a piece about Deripaska's trying to influence U.S. policy. Simpson already knows this. Was Glenn Simpson selling this information from Deripaska already knowing? that it was a disinformation campaign, Simpson understanding the whole time that the Hillary Clinton team didn't care if the information was bogus, that they were just going to scoop it up anyway, even if it fed into the Russian desire to put a major political schism in the country. Folks, I get this part is complicated, but it explains everything about Manafort today, how the Mueller team, to cover all of this up, Hillary's use of Russian disinformation and the Obama administration's use of Russian disinformation cleaned and laundered through the British, whether they knew it or not. Is this an effort by the Mueller team to hide all of that, that this is a Russian collusion scandal with the Obama administration? That's why the Manafort met with Julian Assange, too. Did he? Did he really? It's just an effort to keep your attention off Waldman's meetings with Julian Assange. Were the Russians, did did they play us for idiots the whole time? Folks, this goes back a long, long way. This goes back to 2015. Where I think the Russians understood that there was a deep schism within the United States intel community that was targeting people on U.S., uh, targeting U.S. citizens. I think the Russians understood they could use that and understood that the Obama administration was eager to use negative intelligence, whether it was real or not, to target their political enemies. How do I know this? There's an interesting piece in the American Spectator about an effort as far back as 2015 to target Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Let me read to you a snippet from the piece. It's going to make you remember what we're talking about. Please, this is an important show. Yeah, We're talking about patient zero being a Russian who is at the center of a lot of this effort by the Russian government to put negative information into the U.S. political system where instead of a a, um, nonpartisan intelligence actor saying, hey, this is just the Russians messing with us, the Obama administration said, oh, give us more, give us more, give us more, even though they knew it was BS because they knew it would hit their political opponents. And what I'm suggesting to you is the Russians may have got wind of the Obama administration's willingness to put standard intelligence practices aside for political means as far back as 2015. Why? From this American Spectator piece, it's in the show notes. This is a must read. British spies were in on the ground floor of Obamagate. Long before even the first Republican primary, they had been passing conjecture uh, conjecture disguised as, quote, intelligence to John Brennan about the Trump campaign. 
In fact, Brennan was spying on Mike Flynn before he even joined the campaign, as reported by the UK Guardian. British intelligence first became aware in late 2015 of suspicious interactions. Listen to this. This is 2015. Between figures connected to Trump. They're talking about Mike Flynn, Joe. And known or suspected Russian agents, a source close to UK intelligence said. The intelligence was passed on to the U.S. as part of, quote, routine exchanges of information, they added. The key Trump figure referred to here is Mike Flynn. Folks, I am deeply sorry if this is complicated, but this is absolutely critical. You understand this in light of the Manafort thing. Manafort knows all the players in this. Manafort is a subject of Glenn Simpson's ire as far back as 2007 for his efforts to lobby on behalf of uh, Ukrainians and his business deals with Deripaska and some Russians. They figure this is an in here. Manafort's an in to connect all of this mess about Soviet influence or ex-Soviet influence in the United States. Manafort's the in to connect this all to Trump, despite the fact that Trump has nothing to do with it. They fired Manafort. They need Manafort to be at the Ecuadorian embassy to rope him into this whole collusion email scheme. They need him there. Someone's leaking this strategically right around the time the Mueller thing is wrapping up to rope the Trump team back in to an email conspiracy that the Trump team has nothing to do with. Someone's leaking this. May I suggest to you that the genesis of this this stuff may be Russians using somehow friendlies to get this information into the United States media, knowing they're suckers for the Democrat Party to sow discord. What does that have to do with the passage I just read? Folks, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, the Russians can't stand him. Why? Lieutenant General Flynn, when he was working at the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, in the Obama administration, was an outspoken and vocal opponent of the Iran deal. He understood the Iran deal was going to do damage. The Obama administration needed the Iran deal. It's a long story, but the Obama administration wanted to rebalance power away from the Saudis, their new rapprochement with the Israelis, and back towards the Shia arc with Iran at the head of it. Why we can speculate for days. But the Obama administration wanted to empower Iran at the expense of the Saudis and others. The Iran deal was going to be the economic center of that. It was going to give Iran back money and power and take them off the sanctions list. Flynn was an outspoken opponent of this. Flynn becomes a target. Back as far as 2015. He becomes a target, and the UK, according to the Guardian's article, is passing information about Flynn and a dinner he had where this Russian woman showed up. The allegations in the report are that a spy passed on information about the dinner and some suspicious activity between Flynn and this Russian woman. The allegations are that a spy connected to the British and connected to the uh, United States, the Central Intelligence Agency, Pass this information on. Who's that spy? Stefan Halper. The same exact spy, Central Intelligence Agency asset, who shows up emailing George Papadopoulos later on trying to get Papadopoulos to admit that he knows about Russian emails. Folks, do you see what's going on here? (laughs) As far back as 2015, people associated with U.S. intelligence are trying to rope in a lieutenant general, a heroic patriot in the United States, Mike Flynn, into a Russian whatever scandal. At that point, they probably didn't call it collusion. They just probably called it inappropriate conversations or whatever with Russians. And the same players are involved as far back as 2015. The template's already written. Use the Russians who have some kind of uh, person at this dinner, this Russian woman, use the Russians, 
Use the Russians to communicate somehow with Mike Flynn. However innocuous these conversations were, and Flynn insists to, these, to this day that the dinner conversation with the woman was innocent. Use those conversations to make an uh, insinuation that Flynn somehow is having inappropriate dealings with the Russians. But how does the information get back to us? Again, through people connected to the United Kingdom's intelligence services and the same name, Stefan Halper, appears in that story. The Obama administration needed the Russians. They were their allies on the Iran deal. The more I read about this, the more grossed out, excuse me, I am by this story. Also in the story, as far back as 2015, John Brennan, director of the Central Intelligence Agency under Barack Obama. Yeah. The, the, the founder of the corrupt feast. Yeah. John Brennan is having these director level meetings with people. They're getting intelligence from UK officials. What are they getting intelligence on? A dinner Mike Flynn was at? It's just a Russian happened to be there? Do you notice how these key Russians keep appearing around people who were uh, Obama administration enemies and later the Trump team? And in Flynn's case, someone who later appeared in the Trump team. These Russians keep appearing around them and it's used later on as evidence of some kind of collusive activity. Brilliant! (laughs) These Russians keep appearing everywhere. Yeah. But the information somehow keeps getting back (laughs) to the Central Intelligence Agency, which should say to you in our intelligence outfits that, folks, this is some kind of a setup. Oh, dude. Now, also, does it make sense why Lieutenant General Flynn became a target of Obama during the transition. Remember this story. This is important. Mm -hmm. Obama has a meeting with President-elect Trump in the White House. There's one specific person out of all the conversations they could have, Joe, one specific person's name comes up. Obama says to Trump, hey, don't hire this guy. He's real trouble. Who's the guy? Mike Mike Flynn, Flynn. Mike Flynn, because he knows Mike Flynn knows everything. Flynn's the DIA director. He has access to this stuff. Flynn probably realizes he was the subject of some activity targeting him by his own government. So Obama begs Trump not to hire Flynn. Trump does hire Flynn, hires him as a national security advisor. What happens uh, just days after he's hired? Sally Yates, known Obama bootlicker and butt kisser, shows up at the White House. She's the deputy attorney general at the time and says, hey, President Trump, excuse me, we got a problem. Somehow we have this uh, recording and transcript of Mike Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador Kislyak. Wow. How do you have that? Oh, yeah, we unmasked him. Oh, you did? You basically wiretapped your national security advisor. That's interesting. When he was, uh, you know, when he was in the in the transition process, that's fascinating how that happened. Uh, so we have this transcript of Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador, and it doesn't exactly marry up with what he told FBI agents in an interview. So he could be the subject of a bribery trap, a blackmail trap, excuse me. Which is nonsense. Total, complete, utter nonsense. That's a fabricated, nonsensical story. How is he going to be the subject of a blackmail trap if the Trump administration and Flynn already knew what he said? May have had forgotten some of the details, but the details were irrelevant towards blackmail. It was already going to be Trump administration policy anyway. And what happens? They dismiss Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn is later arrested and charged and prosecuted on charges of lying to the FBI, despite the fact that the FBI themselves say they don't believe he was being dishonest. Folks, listen to me. This is a setup from as far back as 2015. Now, by the way, another thing, I'm sorry, but now it is the... Does the multiple dossiers story make sense now? Victoria Newland and others in the Obama administration were testifying, people from the State Department and others. Uh-huh. And in that testimony, it came out that the Trump dossier was not the only one. 
So I've said to you over and over that this is a big scandal because although the Trump team was targeted because they won the Republican primary and became the nominee, this is not just about Trump. This effort by the United States to use any interaction with Russians by their political enemies as, as, as evidence of nonsense collusion charges goes back all the way to the 2015 targeting of Mike Flynn at a dinner where some Russian woman shows up. And that information, unbelievably, is used against Flynn, despite the fact there's no evidence he did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And the same spies keep showing up, and they're connected to our guys. While Brennan is meeting with the United Kingdom, now also, read the Spectator piece as well. Does it explain the panic about the declassification? Oh, yeah. yeah. Folks. The declassification of the FISA documents where they indicate apparently in these FISA documents used to spy on Carter Page, how they got the information they got, right? That's going to be in there. The British are freaking out in the United Kingdom because they say it's going to expose sources and methods. Forget the methods. That's not what they're worried about. What they're worried about is they can no longer plausibly deny things. None of the names in that document are going to be new. When it's exposed, Downer, Halper, it's only the fact that the British are no longer going to be able to say they weren't an intermediary, a third party that was cleaning information from other sources to give it back to the United States used to spy on Obama's political enemies. That's why they're panicking. It's no, it's no more difficult than that to understand. The British now, because it hasn't been declassified, can say, uh, I don't know. Remember what Patriot Games, that Jack Ryan movie with Harrison Ford? Plausible deniability. Plausible. De- In other words, can I deny this plausibly? The British can because the documents haven't been re- unredacted yet. Mm-hmm. There's still blackouts in them. Once the documents become public and they were sworn to in a U.S. court and we're all reading the U.K.'s involvement in this, the British are no longer going to be able to say they did not try to impact an American election by couriering information into the U.S. intelligence system from quotes other parties the real scandal here folks to bring this all the way back to how i started is the russians played us all and when i say us all i don't mean the listening audience i mean the the five eyes intelligence outlets the russians played all of them for suckers they used disinformation from russian sources I suspect one of them at some point, based on, may have come from people connected to Putin, based on what I've already told you. The Russians fed disinformation to friendly intelligence outlets, the United Kingdom, Hillary Clinton's people, Fusion GPS, which was subsequently used to target American citizens to create a political schism in the United States that the Democrats knew about. And instead of saying, hey, this is the Russians messing with us, they said, yeah, we know they're messing with us, but let's use it anyway because it makes Trump look bad. You dig? Yep. Yes, sir. This is bad news, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got to get to this. So today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition, one of my favorite sponsors out there. I got an email yesterday from someone asking me about um, their fruit and vegetable uh, supplement, which is the best on the market. It's called Field of Greens. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. What is it? Uh, listen, there's a lot of these fruit and vegetable pills out there and extracts and powders. And, you know, some of them are okay. Some of them not so much. Folks, I've tried a lot of them. Here's the difference with Field of Greens of BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Field of Greens is actual food. It's not extract. It's not some crappy pill. It is actual, healthy, high-quality fruits and vegetables ground up into a, a, a just wonderfully tasting powder. It has a nice berry tinge to it. You throw a scoop in water, green tea, juice, however you want it, your protein shake, and you get just incredible and the benefits, the macronutrients, the micronutrients of just high-quality fruits and vegetables, which we all know will improve your health. Well, listen, no doctor out there is going to tell you not to eat your fruits and vegetables. This is your fruit and vegetable insurance. Go check it out. I take it twice a day. Give it to my kids. 
give it to my, my I don't give it to my my wife takes it or, or uh, takes it or <laughs> takes the stuff herself. She doesn't need like hey here you go I know here we go you know like you give your kids medicine or something like that. But she loves it. It's called Field of Greens. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Listen, fruits and vegetables are the key to a long, healthy, happy life. These are really, really terrific, high quality fruits and vegetables ground up into a great tasting powder. Go check it out today. It's wonderful. All right. Sorry, I'm just obsessed with this stuff because it just makes so much sense now to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the Russians played us for suckers. The Obama administration knew we were being played for suckers. The Obama administration figuring that they were going to win anyway, and they could go back and didn't make this stuff all go away later. Use this Russian disinformation campaign as far back, probably as 2015, used it to attack the Trump team. And these key Russians like Deripaska keep appearing connected to key players in this entire thing. Just incredible. All right. Um, I got a lot more to get to today. Uh, One just quick note here. Folks, when I was uh, a Secret Service agent, I was in a hotel room during the John Kerry, uh, President Bush election for President Bush's uh, re-election campaign. And I was sitting in this hotel room and I'm watching the DNC, the Democrat National Convention. And a guy gets up on stage and gives one of the most incredible political speeches I've ever heard. Um, I didn't agree with the policies in it. Uh, it was very, it was aspirational. It wasn't even very policy oriented. But I sat in my hotel room. I'll never forget this. I was doing counter surveillance with the Secret Service, which was cool because I didn't have to wear suits. I could wear like regular down clothes, kind of like an undercover thing. And I'm listening to the speech and I'm saying, this guy's big trouble. Now, I'm not in the prediction game anymore. I'm going to try to get out of that. We, we were like two for three in the last few, but two <laughs> out of three is bad in contrast to the meatloaf song, right? Isn't that two yeah. out of three ain't bad? Yeah. No, two out of three is bad. You got to be right all the time. So I'm going to get out of the prediction game, but I am going to say this. That guy I saw in that hotel room, I called my wife immediately. She remembers his phone call. I was sitting in the Shelbourne Hotel in Manhattan on the seventh floor. You remember where I was? And I said to her, this guy's big trouble. This guy is going to win something big one day, whether it's the presidency or he's going to become a significant political leader in the future. That person was Barack Obama. He was Senator Barack Obama at the time. But I heard that speech and I knew right away that he had managed to tap into something. Folks, be very careful. There's another Barack Obama out there right now who speaks in similar hopey, changey type of talk. Listen, he doesn't stand for anything. He's an inch deep and, and, and two feet wide. Frankly, just like Obama was with his policies, they were. The policies were shallow and not well thought out, but the speeches were aspirational and were powerful. And for us to deny that is like the Democrats denying that that the Trump effect was real. Doesn't do us any good. That other person out there right now is Beto O'Rourke. Folks, keep your antenna up. I have a story up at the show notes today from The Hill. It looks like Beto's testing the waters for a 2020 presidential run. I'm telling you right now, mark this episode. This guy is real trouble, real trouble. He's a far leftist or his policies are empty, but he has managed to tap into something on the Democrat side aspirationally that Obama did as well. Dan, I can hear our listeners right now. They're telling me he lost, dude. What are you talking about? He did. He did lose in Texas. Yeah. But his performance in Texas, Joe compared to where other Democrats have historically performed in statewide races Mm -hmm. over the last few is remarkable. And for us to deny that does us no good. He should have lost that race by 10 points against Ted Cruz. And he didn't. What did he lose by four? Eh, Something like that. That race was unusually close. Unusually close. I'm just giving you a heads up. Be very careful. Beto is big, big trouble for the Republicans. All right. Um, I have some um, some interesting pieces up in the show notes today. Our resident debunker in chief, Matt Palumbo, was kind enough to put together a piece about the actual cost of illegal immigration in the United States. I'm getting so fed up and tired of far left talking points on illegal immigration, folks. Listen, immigration, when done correctly. In a labor-sensitive market done according to the principles of law and order, legal immigration 
can and typically is a net economic positive benefit for the country in the long term. When it's done in the right way, legally, controlled, sensitive to labor markets, it it is usually an economic net benefit. Illegal immigration is an economic burden on our country. I don't care who tells you otherwise. Now I'm going to give you the numbers to back this up because I am so tired of hearing from leftists about how low immigrant, no, legal immigration benefits us when done the right way. Illegal immigration does not. Here are the actual costs. Matt has the piece up. The numbers are in the show notes for you to spread around if you so wish. Illegal immigrants pay taxes, Joe, because you hear this number a lot as Matt points out. They go, well, illegal immigrants pay $12 billion in taxes annually. Oh, well, great. Well, that's a huge number. Interesting. Yeah, only interesting compared to the actual numbers that would have been paid if these were actual taxpaying citizens in those jobs. Illegals pay at a rate, at a lower rate than taxpaying citizens. Matter of fact, Matt points out at such a lower rate that if we were to, uh, if we were to calculate the rate illegal uh, immigrants pay taxes for the entire country, they pay at such a lower rate that the United States government would raise $240 billion in taxes versus $3 trillion. So the fact that illegal immigrants pay some form of taxes, whether they're sales taxes or otherwise, does not mean that it is a net economic benefit, because even if you're a far left liberal that believes the government should control the money outlets, the money they're bringing in is far less. Joe, do you you see why this is? Yeah. If you're illegally working in the United States, you're not paying federal income taxes because you're here illegally. You're either working off the books. You're working somehow under under a stolen Social Security number. You're likely avoiding the income tax load. Mm -hmm. You're also in many cases, but not all, but most cases, you're bringing in a lesser set of skills. You're seeking out labor markets and you're working for a lower wage than Americans would have worked for, which would have meant higher income tax revenue in addition to the fact that you're off the books anyway in a a large part of these cases, right? Mm -hmm. So they're paying at a lower rate than if American citizens would have been in those jobs. The education costs for the children of illegal immigrants to come into the country, depending on the estimate you use, 44 to $59 billion in education costs. So we're talking about massive losses in tax revenue because they're not paying taxes. A lot of this is going off the books or it's being done under social security, uh, stolen social security numbers. A lot of it's being done uh, because you'll work for wages lesser than an American citizen would have worked for. Finally, the health care costs. A lot of the leftist activists will point out the fact that, well, Joe, you know, you're not eligible for a lot of federal Medicaid benefits and things like that if you're in the country illegally. Okay, fair enough. But ladies and gentlemen, when you show up in an American emergency room, you know, it is one of our more humane policies. I don't disagree with the policy, mm-hmm. but when you show up in an emergency room, we're not going to let you die. Right. That costs money. If you are here illegally in the country, you are costing the United States government by one of Matt's estimates. He has in the piece, and you can see how he calculated $18.5 billion in health care costs. You are here illegally. There are real costs associated with this. Matt estimates the total cost of illegal immigration every year at $100 billion. Illegal immigration. Stop telling us this is a net economic gain to the United States. It is not. The numbers belie that. uh, Medical costs, education costs. This is costing us money. And it's not being reimbursed by the tax load that illegal immigrants are bearing due sales taxes and otherwise because they're not paying taxes in many cases. Stop with the nonsense. This article is important, especially now. Okay, uh, a couple other things I had out there. There's um, to this. I take screenshots of stuff so I can get you the accurate information. Matt did another piece because there's another myth floating around out there now that the uh, the Democrats are getting back, uh, uh, working their way, weaseling their way back into power. Um, and you know, which they they did in this last election. Yeah, well, I shouldn't say it, but they, you know, they won. Uh, and I don't want to be like liberals are to us, and they didn't steal the damn thing, but they ran on a bunch of garbage. Yeah, is probably the best way to say it. So the Nancy Pelosi is about to take back the speaker's gavel, take over control of the House. And one of the things they're going to argue for now is a tax hike. They want the Trump tax cuts to go away. And one of the myths I've heard out there being propagated by the liberal media, again, the activists in the media, is that all oh, these tax cuts didn't benefit the middle class. They screwed over the middle class. No, no, you're lying. You're making that up. Yeah, You're darn right. You're just making that up. 
I have the numbers for you in this piece by Matt Palumbo. All right, before I get to that, somebody just do this last read. Just be patient with this, and I will get to that. Uh, I will get to the numbers so you can debunk myths generated by your liberal friends. All right, Omaha Steaks. I just had them last night. Omaha Steaks is back. Send the holiday gift that families across America have loved for over a hundred years. Omaha Steaks. Last night. We had the steaks the night before. We had the burgers. And let me tell you something. You are not going to find a better quality, better tasting meat for the price anywhere. And the price they're giving our listeners for this holiday deal is absolutely incredible. I just got off the phone with them yesterday. And, and, and they're, even they're surprised. At how, I'm not even kidding how much money they're giving up. Wait till I get to that in a second, okay? Think Omaha Steaks this holiday season to treat your family to world-class steaks, burgers, chops, and more. Omaha Steaks is America's original butcher since 1917. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an amazing limited-time offer to my listeners. When you go to omahasteaks.com, and this is important, enter code Bongino into the search bar. That's how you'll get the discount. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter code Bongino into the search bar. You will get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package. It's originally $195, now only $49.99. You will not get a finer tasting product out there for this discount. Check it out. You'll get four hand cut aged to tenderness top sirloin steaks, two premium pork chops, which are delicious, four chicken fried steaks, four Omaha Steaks burgers. I ate them all. For snappy kielbasa sausages, all beef meatballs for perfectly brown potatoes or gratin. That's one of my wife's favorites. Four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, plus hit four more burgers free. Folks, go check them out. These are world-class steaks and beefs. All beef is USDA inspected for quality and exceeds standards. Ordered with confidence, Omaha Steaks is America's original butcher. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Bongino in the search bar, to send the Omaha Steaks family gift package today at this phenomenal discount. Go check them out. They are a great sponsor of the show. I love their food. Um, all right. So again, the Democrats are getting back in power right now, doing their thing, and they want to raise your taxes. They're going to tell you that the tax cut planned by Trump did not benefit the middle class. Folks, Matt put up another piece at the website debunking this nonsense. I took a screenshot, and I'm going to read to you the numbers right now so you can debunk this nonsense. The Trump's tax cuts composed of both corporate tax reform, which cut the rate from 35 to 21%, and, a por- and across the board cuts to individual tax brackets. Here is the percentage point decline for each bracket. Folks, if you are wealthy in this country, if you are in the 37% tax bracket, it was 39.6, it's now 37. This is the highest tax bracket for the highest earners, right? Your taxes went down 1.6%, your tax rate. Okay, so Joe, keep these numbers in your head, folks. Mm-hmm. This isn't hard. If you were one of the wealthiest earners in our country, your tax rate went down from 39.6 to 37. So it went down 1.6 percentage points. If you are in the second highest tax bracket, you're well off, but you may not be rich. Your taxes went down from 33 to 32%. So you got a 1% uh, tax rate. You may say, all right, damn, well, the rich got over more. They got 1.6 percentage points. And the a little bit less than rich got 1 percentage point. Oh, oh, but now we're getting into the middle class tax brackets, Joe. Oh, look at these numbers. Hmm. Aren't they convenient? The middle class got a tax cut from 28% tax rate to a 24% tax rate, a 4%, 4 percentage point cut, 4, 1.6, 4, 1.6. Joe, what's greater, four or one point six? Take a second to think about that. Oh, Can you handle it? What's that. greater? Four percent. Four percent is greater. So, do you understand the liberals yeah. are just making this up? Oh, the, the the rich got over on this. No, the middle class got a bigger percentage point tax cut than the wealthy did. Four, one point six. Four. 1.6. I don't know if like there's some kind of song we have to invent. By the way, we got to get to your tune. Oh. That was funny. So we got to play that. So it's so good. But four, 1.6. How many times do I got to say this? You know, they, sometimes when you when when these companies, remember back in the 50s and 60s, there was always a jingle. Yeah. Use our product. It's wonderful today. <laughs> it was these goofy little jingles and you couldn't get the stupid songs out of your head forever. You all know what yeah. I'm talking about, right? You remember yeah. some of those? I hated them. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they they, yeah, everybody hated them. But you never forgot them, yeah. right? 
do we invent a jingle for yourself to remember that the wealthy got a 1.6 percentage point tax rate cut and a middle class? That was a Chicago song. Uh, 1.6 to four. Is that is that a song? 25 or six to four. That was the name of the song. But it sounded close. Yeah. Was it? It's, or that remember that? Eight, eight, oh, here's a what was that other one? Eight five, six three, seven oh, five nine. three zero <laughs> yeah. nine. Who would remember that number outside yeah. of the song? The way you code it in your brain is different. I don't mean to get off, but that's right. Four percent for the middle class. Now, you may say, okay, there are even poorer folks because it's broken down into I- quintiles. Twenty percent, the top twenty percent, the twenty percent below that, twenty percent. So you may say, okay, Dan. So the middle class got uh, got four points off their tax rate. What did the people who were a little less well off than the middle class get? Clearly, the rich got over on them with their one point six percentage point cut. Well, if you're in the tax bracket below that, you were paying twenty five percent. You're now paying twenty two percent, which is hold on. That is a a decrease of three percentage points. Which, by my simple math, is almost double the 1.6 percentage points that the yeah. evil rich, the Democrats call, uh, the, the, as they call you, the yeah, evil yeah. rich got off. I'm no. not crazy, right? Like, this math no, actually cool, works cool. out. Yeah. Now, the last thing you're, and all these charts are in the piece, so please check it out, Bongino.com. You may say, well, clearly, the bottom 20% of owners. Oh, earners, mm-hmm. excuse me. The bottom 20% of earners, the poorest Americans by the tax code, clearly got screwed over. The rich got 1.6 percentage points off. Just about every other tax bracket got off more than that. In some cases, the middle class specifically got double with a four percentage point decrease in their tax rate. Clearly, because the Democrats are right, the poor got screwed over by this. Okay, let's go to the numbers mm-hmm. again. If you are in the uh, lowest tax bracket, you were paying 15%. Or one, I'm sorry, the second lowest. You were paying 15%. You are now paying 12%, a decrease of three points again. So, folks, you have uh, the second lowest uh, uh, quintile gets 3% off. On top of that, 3% off. The middle class, maybe upper middle class, gets 4% off. Wealthy, but not the, not the highest tax bracket, gets 1% off. And the, and the wealthy, based, based on the tax bracket, get 1.6. Do you understand they're just making this stuff up? This is why we have the debunk this section on our website, because they're just they this is a complete, utter, total fabrication. They're making this whole entire thing up. Mm. The majority of the benefit went to people who were not in the top two tax brackets. The majority of the benefit went to the middle class and below. That's just a fact. I get it. Facts are hard. I understand you media types, too who like to engage in in liberal propaganda, who put this stuff out there that the middle class somehow got screwed over by this tax cut package. This is going to come up. Ladies and gentlemen, you have the numbers. Keep the piece on your phone. There's a handy chart. Matt put some little big red numbers in there. You can read it yourself. It is just a complete fabrication and is made up. And it's tiresome. All right, Matt was nice enough to do another piece too. I wanted to get to this the other day, but uh, I didn't have any time. About so-called free college. Oh, yeah. Free college is always a good one. How I love how things are free. The, the left is just the <laughs> free, like the money fairy. Oh, it's free. Yeah, oh, it's free. Yeah. No, nobody paid for anything anyway. I love when they talk about free. You get free. Oh, someone volunteered their time. What do you mean free college? The teachers aren't getting paid. They're volunteering their time. The architect who built the building did it voluntarily. The janitors, every the administrative staff, all work. No, no, they're getting paid. Oh, so it's not free. So somebody's paying for it because they're paying the teachers, right? So Matt did a piece debunking this idea of free college. It's a really good one because it points out the myths about the Scandinavian examples. You know, the left and Bernie Sanders and these types, Joe. They're like, oh, free college. Look, in Denmark and other countries, look what happens. They get free college and everybody scores. It's so great. It's so wonderful. Eh, Wrong. (laughs) Matt has a couple of great takeaways from this. Number one, debt. Student debt for free college is comparable to student debt for paid university uh, educations here in the United States. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. How is that? You're like, uh-huh. this, this can't pop. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, even I get it. Even some smart conservatives were maybe like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. How is it that if the taxpayers are paying for college in some of these Scandinavian countries, Sweden, Norway, and others, 
How is it that the students are still taking debt to pay if their tax dollars are already paying for it? <laughs> Matt's a genius. This is great, Joe. Listen to this. I was, I was very impressed. Good job, Matt Palumbo. He says, and it's in the piece in the show notes, right? So Sanders would probably be just as shocked as I was to learn that there is student debt in Scandinavia despite their lack of university tuition. Not only that, there's a lot of debt. Because, Joe, while tuition is free, room and board are not. (laughs) So paradoxically, this is great, offering free tuition seems to have incentivized students to be more likely to rack up debt by moving out early to go to take uh, go to college to take care of the you know because take advantage of the free thing but the room and board is not free while it's becoming more common for american students to save money by living at home and attending a two-year community college there's less incentive to do so with quote free tuition genius observation if the tuition's free hey mom i'm moving out ma to me low i'm out of here i'm gone the tuition's free but the room and board isn't. Here are the numbers, how much debt they wind up accumulating where college is, quote, free. Because there's no market incentive to get a, a, a bargain in your education. Like American students who go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to waste two years. I'll go to community college first, stay home, save some money, and then I'll go on to Harvard or Princeton or, or whatever, Penn State, where, uh, where I went for graduate school or city university. Matt writes, in 2015, Swedes who borrowed to attend college had an average of $17,266 in debt. In Norway, the average student debt graduated with uh, $280,000 in their currency. That denominates to $32,000 in U.S. dollars in debt. For contrast, the American student debt for someone graduating in America's class of 2015, where we got the data from, was approximately $30,000. So in Norway, where education is, quote, free, their average debt is $2,000 more in the United States where it's not, quote, free. Hey, kids, you may want to think about that. You know, when you sit there and buy into the leftist hype about free college, nothing's free. Somebody's paying. You may say, oh, well, the solution then, Joe, is to have the government pick up room and board, too. Yeah. So we can pay not 50 and 60% of our income to taxes. We can pay 70, 85%. In that case, you'll be working for the government full time. Good luck with that. Have fun. Hey, one final story. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm cleaning up a lot of stuff that I wanted to get to earlier in the week. That's really important because I've been so tied up with this Manafort thing. And again, just in the beginning, I want you to understand that whole beginning we were talking about is critical. How the Russians are the genesis of all of this stuff. And the Obama administration scooped it up and used it, knowing it was a disinformation campaign to attack Trump. The Mueller probe is trying to break all of those ties to the Obama administration and still keep the attention on Trump. It's clear as day right now. It's important we get that out there. Folks, I'd warned you about our debt and our economic situation, that it was perilous. I've said this multiple times, that this is really, we're in a very dangerous time, that our national debt, we owe a lot of money. In order to finance the functioning of our government as liberals and rhino conservatives want it, we have to borrow massive amounts of money. Why do we have to borrow massive amounts of money? We have to do so because we don't have enough tax dollars to finance right now all of these expenditures. Our defense budget, our entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, discretionary spending, we don't have enough money. This is clear. If Joe's spending $100,000 a year and he only makes 50, he's got to borrow 50. Mm Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, people who are lending Joe money are going to ask for their money back. I had said to you, we are about to hit a debt apocalypse sometime in the future, and it's going to hit us quick, where at some point, someone says, we're not lending you clowns money anymore. You can't get your act together. I'm not talking about us clowns. I'm talking about the Hill. These idiots up on Capitol Hill spending us off a fiscal cliff. Now, those people are both us. We lend, we buy U.S. bonds, U.S. treasuries, and foreign governments, which have lent the United States government a lot of money. I'd said to you that when this materializes, it's going to materialize, Joe, in the form of higher interest rates. Folks, there's some warning signs out there. Let me read from you from a piece in Reuters. They're talking about bond auctions. In other words, asking foreign governments for money. They're auctioning bonds. Hey, come in, buy our money, buy our bonds, lend us money. Some bond auctions since late October had the weakest foreign participation rates in nearly a decade. 
a Reuters analysis of U.S. Treasury sales shows. At the same time, auction sizes are rising fast with bond issuance this quarter projected to set a record of $83 billion after deducting mature debt. This uh, analyst, this economist at Deutsche Bank said, we do worry about where demand for Treasury is going to come from given the ongoing significant increase in supply. Ladies and gentlemen, what does that mean? People aren't buying our bonds anymore at the rate they were a decade ago. Now, is it apocalyptic now? No, but when this hits, it's going to hit fast. And how is this going to show up in the form of interest rates? When foreign governments and even U.S. citizens stop lending the government money because they're convinced they're not going to get it back, the United States government is going to have to offer what? Very high interest rates to compensate people for the risk? All right, we'll give you 10% rather than the 5% or whatever for the bonds. Then what goes up? Mortgage loans, car loans, things that are indexed to the interest rates in the United States that the the Federal Reserve. Uh, Folks, we're going to be in big, big trouble. You want to pay 16, 17% for a mortgage like you did in the 80s? We got to get a hold of this now. When people stop lending us money, the only way to get them to do it is by offering higher interest rates. The government's going to have to pay off that interest over time. And that interest on top of the debt we have now is absolutely catastrophic. I warned you. But I've been meaning to talk about this story all week. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope it wasn't too confusing in the beginning, but it's a critical key. How all of this leads back to people connected to Putin, and these guys sucked the whole thing up the whole time. Just incredible. That's why they're trying to rope Manafort in again to tie this thing all to Trump. It's disgusting. All right, I appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe to the show. It is free. It's available on iTunes. It's available on iHeart for you Samsung, Galaxy users, and others. Just click the follow button. It is free but it helps us move up the charts. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, and elsewhere. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.